0: Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect a change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. In dream work, we have a technical term that we like to use. We call it working you. Your dreams work you by making you look at what is the hardest about yourself to see and acknowledge. And dreams work you hard when you have wounds and sore spots. Oh yeah, you'll revisit those places inside you night after night until they are healed. Healing is the theme of this episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. And on the operating table, we have my co-host, Steve Ernenwein. Over a period of years, he had a number of dreams that helped him understand a deep wounding experience. It wasn't an intentional wound, but as you'll hear as we talk about those dreams, his father's lack of support when he needed it most plunged a knife into his heart. But what we are about to discuss is less about the wound and more about the healing. It's about becoming a better person, about the deepening of relationships and the calling of initiation into adulthood and maturity. I have witnessed Steve's healing during these past several years as he answered the call and worked through his wounding experience. There is a strange sort of blessing that it bestowed on him, an idea expressed in the phrase, You can't play the blues unless you've lived them. For Steve, living the blues not only shows in the music he creates, it's the person he is. His dreams worked him hard, and he worked them right back by extracting from them the medicine he needed to heal his heart and heal his relationship with his father. I'm your co-host, J.M. DeVord, and here's our conversation. We hope you learn from it how your dreams can help you heal, too.
1: So I guess I guess this is where I can start. It it uh kind of it began this very interesting dynamic over the course of like many years and for a long time I didn't even understand what this one dream meant. Uh it always kind of stuck with me and it was really powerful, but it was at a time when I was pretty young and doing dream work and I still didn't really have uh a real good handle on what what my dreams meant and at least in the capacity that i I can figure them out now, but this kind of progression of dreams kind of showcases the the dynamic within me of the father and what I would call the lover or the it would be like a an aspect of the animal, which is the feminine aspect uh in the psychic development um so it's like a back in two thousand nine, I had this really very hard dream. So the dream went, uh, I was at a woman's apartment and it was clear that there was like a courtship that was going on here and she was just amazingly beautiful. And she was a singer songwriter and I believe I understood her to be Sting's daughter in the dream it was Coco. And, uh, around the time of this dream, she had put out an album in real life and, I was like, kind of really digging it and digging her whole style. And so I had a dream that she was in it. And I'm just kind of like in awe of her in the dream. She just has that energy. And anytime you have a dream with the lover anima kind of access, uh, those dreams are always so potent. And uh, so I'm I'm looking at her and she's beautiful and gorgeous. And she asked me uh, if she could play me a song and she sits down and she plays me a song and it's the first time that i noticed that there's something really weird with her eyes and uh, she gets finished playing and she turns around and looks at me and she doesn't have any eyes like they're just like they're like sewn shut and it, it's almost like there aren't any eyes behind the eyelids like they're they're almost like there was just something like really weird about it. And, uh, so I kind of, you know, gave her praise and clapped and, you know, said, wow, you're just amazingly beautiful. Like, I can't believe like you can write music like that. And she kind of slinks and is real shy and, uh, kind of self-conscious about it. And I, just couldn't believe somebody that had, could make such beautiful music would be so self-conscious about it and I asked her asked her about her eyes and as she began to tell me the story it just draws me right into the scene that happened um, it was like me having a first hand look at her memory of it and her family was on a vacation and her dad pulls off on the side of the road and they're in like this uh, old station wagon and he forces everybody out of the car she's got like two siblings the mother's there and he picks up this nail gun and he starts shooting at them and he kills the mom and I think he kills the two the two siblings and he shoots her straight in the eyes um, and, I mean she obviously didn't die but uh, he nail gunned her in both of her eyes and I all of a sudden in the scene just got just panicked completely and was just like holy cow that was way too intense and I was not ready for that why didn't nobody prepare me for that and then I got got scared that he could see me and because it felt like I was right there and all of a sudden he turns and he looks right at me and I'm like oh crap (laughs) and I just started running and I can just hear like uh, you know nails just whizzing by me and I ended up you know, finding somewhere safe to be in the dream ended. But wow, that was like, that was back in 2009 and a uh, super intense dream. And the way that I ended up looking at that afterwards, I, I came across it like probably like six, seven years later and was just like, oh my God, I know exactly what that dream means. And it like, it was not clear to me at all for a long time. And I think right around that time when I revisited the dream, I had kind of just discovered like how much, you know, when I was getting out of high school, I wanted to be a recording artist. I wanted to be, you know, a musician. And my father had told me that he wanted me to have a backup plan, which is, you know, sound advice. And so I decided to go to school for music recording. But the thing that he also said, that I didn't realize really wormed its way into me at the time was that he said, to be a musician is about a million and a one chance. And, you know, before I even had a chance to even try, it felt like I was already defeated. And so in this dream, you see that this woman, she's beautiful, she makes incredible music. She has no idea. How, how much she is worth, like she has no idea of her own worth, she has no idea about how, be- how beautiful her own music is because she has no sight for it, she can't see her own worth, she has no idea how beautiful she is because her father shot her eyes out in a, in a symbolic way, she, she can't see how beautiful she is, she can't see the value that she has to offer this world that she has to offer me.
0: Her eyes are nailed shut, so she, and it's delivered by the it's a wound delivered by the father yeah, so she' so that's can't like see. my father
1: wound <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like very uh, through the editing of this episode, I had a couple more epiphanies about what this dream held for me, and the first big one was that the father in this dream who enacts the father wound his name sting <laughs> like what And so the image of like being stung and having that poison like infiltrating your body it was like whoa uh, what a like what a crazy parallel for the whole idea of father wound, and then the second big one that just hit me this morning was that the name of Coco's band was I blame Coco, and to make that connection just really sends chills through my body because that's how this whole wound got internalized for me is that I blamed her because if she was more beautiful or was better or had what it takes then maybe, just maybe my father could see that and how tragic that is that It got internalized as a sense of self-hate or deep shame that I blamed her. I blamed Coco for not being worthy in the eyes of someone else, when that is always supposed to have been my duty to affirm within myself
0: which is which is talked about a lot in Jungian psychology um, and and a certain strain of it that developed from Jung is the idea that what Jung said and he's quoted as saying from the wound comes the call and that we have a wounding experience that's delivered usually by an authority figure, usually by a parent and oftentimes by a father because they're the ones that have to speak a truth as they know it and what they don't know is is that by speaking their truth as they know it it causes this wound to their child to the the sensitivity and the creativity of the child so for you and you you have this budding creativity and this desire to you know to be a, a songwriter and what your, your father in his very practical way says have a backup plan and doesn't realize that he's delivering a wound to you to that creative side of yourself that closes the door just as it's trying to open. And so this is the, when we refer to the father wound, this is something that is an almost universal experience where there is some way that a parent, well, in one way, they don't live up to your expectations, but two, something that they do or say or both, ends up causing a wound in you that becomes your call to initiation. When Jung says, from the wound comes the call, the call is to healing and to initiation. And it's initiation into your own adulthood because you have to deal with that wound. And the wound turns you inside of yourself. It makes you find out what is really in there because it's hurt. And those pain signals coming to the ego can't be ignored, and a lot of times people can go through. If they don't have that pain, they can go through their lives without ever discovering what is really inside of them. So there is a blessing to it, but it begins as a wound.
1: Yeah, because I would say that you know I don't he he didn't mean any harm by it. I know he didn't. Um, that's definitely not the way that I internalized it uh i mean he thought he was giving me the like you said like the best advice he could give me and i know he didn't want me to struggle and it's just crazy because uh like what you what else you just said i mean i wanted him to validate me so badly that when he just delivered me that one line it it sank in so deep uh, because I wanted him to affirm my worth. I didn't want to have to see it for myself. And so you almost see that again in this dream of, you know, this is, this is my duty to have to find that within myself. And that's what I've long like thought about this whole experience is that, um, you know, had, had Daddy just, you know, loved me the way that I I wanted him to all along, then I wouldn't have had to do it for myself. And so, I mean, it is such a gift. And the journey that has unfolded through it and, you know, the healing journey that I've been on and the initiatory journey I've been on has been so amazing to be able to find my own worth. And if I, if I can get there and I can, you know, stand in that place and truly honor that beauty um, then man what a gift that's like uh, it's an amazing gift
0: so the wound becomes a gift
1: yeah but it absolutely
0: it becomes a gift because of what you do with it there are some people that it that turns them into a three-legged horse and that they can't really get anywhere in their life because they're wounded and they 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 it's a it's a kind of a shaming that goes on. They feel ashamed. So they're in this very low uh, energy that keeps them stuck wherever they are. But if you can work through that and realize that there is a blessing in the wound that makes you find within yourself something that is lacking, then it becomes a blessing and you grow that other leg and you're then able to really move forward with strength and swiftness and grace in your own life.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean, don't get me wrong, there was there was many years where that just felt so insufferable that like yeah. And I just held it against him. You know, I don't even think he knows that. I I, <laughs> I know I know he probably has perceived a certain amount of distance um between the two of us, but I don't I've never actually called him out on it. I've never actually had a conversation with him about it, and uh I don't think he has any any even real recognition, you know, that that was the case. And, you know, so I'm just stewing over here, and, you know, wrestling with <laughs> my own worth issues. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a long, hard-fought process, and and I have more dreams to share about how I fully overcame this whole issue, and uh, really cool story. But uh, to kind of go a little further, with this progression of this dream in 2018 i had a dream and i'm pretty sure this is almost like where i came back into contact with this dream with coco because you'll find out in a minute it's like it points you right back at it in this really really deeply felt way um and actually no i'm sorry that was no march of 2019 sorry so In this dream I am in the Death Star and I'm being given a tour and this woman is leading me around and she takes me into Darth Vader's chamber (laughs) and I mean it, it it looks exactly like what you would imagine in the Death Star it's just all metal everywhere it's all very sterile very clean and shiny and she brings me into Darth Vader's chamber and Right in the center of his room is this amazing metallic uh, throne of sorts. And the woman explains that if, if uh, Vader sits in this chair, then through either just the force or the, there's some kind of like notion of, he has some kind of power that he can wield that will allow him to contact his daughter, anywhere in the universe that she might be. And as she starts to talk about that, this incredibly heartbreaking like, visual and kind of notion comes through where you could sense and feel that he has sat there so many times and wanted to reach out to Leia and to just tell her how beautiful and how wonderful and how great she is. But the more time that goes by the harder it is to make that initial step and the the more time that goes by that he doesn't make that step the more he hates himself for it and there's just like this insane dynamic of like this powerful emotional experience of the the shadow father wanting to reach out to his daughter which is why it connects me back to that other dream where he wants to to give that validation. He wants to now at this point, you know, affirm to her that she has been more beautiful than he can even, you know, even say all along. And it's just this amazingly heartbreaking and beautiful moment of uh, feeling that fatherliness wanting to reach out. yeah yeah. what do you think about that dream
0: dude I'm sitting here thinking you dreamed up the new Star Wars the one with uh, Rey before uh, one of the plot lines is is that she's connected with um, uh, the antagonist character um, who's kind of like Darth Vader's replacement he's the son of Han Solo and uh, actually Han Solo and Leia right Mm-hmm. And that he can, they, these two have a connection across time and space. There's no limit to it, and they're actually able to see into each other's lives and through each other's eyes. So, in a, I'm sitting there thinking, "Wow, you you got a hell of a creative, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, spark there." Um, but also, there's there is such a sadness to that scene. You yeah. know, I can see the connection to the previous dream because you're dealing with a, you know, it's Sting's daughter in the 2009 dream. And then in the later dream, it's Vader's daughter. So both of them being daughters of famous people. Um, and then um, in this dream, it's showing time has passed, right? So Vader's yep. regrets over all that time has passed. Now, for you, you've had all this time has passed and you're still. In that same space of feeling disconnected from the thing that you love and that it's 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 like the the, it's even though they're they're separate dreams you can see how the one leads to the other and that they're really a continuation of the same story which i think is fascinating and i want to ask how long was it now i know in 2009 that you weren't into writing and creating music like you are now that part of your evolution in working with these dreams finding what's at the heart of it addressing the wounding that was at the heart of it it eventually opened you up to a new relationship with yourself and your creativity and i'm wondering how it fits into this time frame of when this new dream came to you
1: yeah i mean i was definitely writing music in 2009 but uh, I was definitely not bringing it out into the world, and uh, I, I don't think I, I maybe had performed once or twice at that point, but it was nothing consistent and nothing that I felt very confident about. I was very much like her in the dream, very insecure, very uh, guarded. <laughs> yeah, did not know, uh, did not know my own worth, and. So, yeah, that's a reflection for me in that dream as well. And it's such a nice reflection back to have me see the beauty inside of me in that dream and be like, how can you not see it? Like, (laughs) like almost like, come on, like, look at this. And so, yeah, I mean, looking at these two dreams, there's, you know, both of them are shadow fathers. Both of them have daughters you know, there's that clear correlation that the daughter had been hurt and that there was a fatherly like remorse about it.
0: Can we talk about the um, Death Star as sort of a psychological space for you? You're, you're brought in on a tour of the Death Star, which as soon as you said that, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, that is off the hook. What an awesome theme. But you're being taken into a space in the dream and oftentimes the settings or spaces that we're in are illustrations of a psychological space or sphere of influence. And so when you are in this place that's you're talking about that, you know, there's the, the st- everything's made of steel. It's very sterile and it's very clean. How, did, how are you seeing a reflection of yourself in that space or a part of yourself?
1: Well, uh, all right, so there's one final dream. There's another dream two months later with Leia in it, and I'll share that dream real quick because uh, there's another notion of the Death Star in that one. Okay. Um, And then I'll I'll talk more exclusively about that. I'm I'm glad you said something because, yeah, the notion of a Death Star (laughs) in relation to the father wound is, like, such a powerful, like, uh, I mean, if you look at the star as being, like, her like this light within me, this beauty within me, and bringing the death of that, where he sits in the chair and he can he can be the one that initiates the death of that star. That's like almost bone-chilling. <laughs> so this dream was just a little under two months later. And so with the advent of the Vader dream uh, of being given a tour of the Death Star, I took that as like a... It was like a need for me to really recognize myself. Like, that's 2019. I I had come out of a huge six year chunk of like complete writer's block and almost losing sight of my music. Had created a whole new album in 2017. And this whole new process of my dreams, inspiring my music from that point on had happened. And I was in the middle of writing a whole new album uh, the one that I'm still working on right now and it felt like the dreams were were kind of proud of me being like alright well you're kind of like back in a good space and it, it's, it's, it's time for you to like really look at the fact that you have overcome so much and to really finally give yourself the validation that you've always been looking for from your father or from anybody in life and To give it to yourself and to like really be there for yourself and be a father for yourself and to you know nurture that growth and to you know you know use your father within yourself as like a cheerleader like you know to to keep you on task and to you know help you you know navigate whatever i don't know it's it's kind of like a hard thing to explain but so I kind of started that process and so two months later I have this dream uh, that I entitled Han and Leia's introduction (laughs) and so I'm in what feels like a broken down Death Star and I'm kind of walking around and at first I understand myself to be Luke and there's a few things that happen that are kind of confusing and I don't remember very well at this point uh, but eventually, I kind of force-fly myself up through this big hole that's in the ceiling. If you did see the newer sequels uh, with Ray, she goes back to the Death Star and it looks very much like that scene where it's just completely just kind of broken and shattered and blown apart. And then I'm standing there and uh, Leia is standing in front of me and she has a notebook. And claims that I am not who I say I am, which was Han Solo, but for a moment I'm shown uh, an image of myself in the mirror and I see myself as a droid Uh, but then like the image kind of you know kind of warbles and then I was fully embodying Han again and without looking at me and being somewhat annoyed writing on her pad she sharply says to me your name probably says a lot about who you are aren't? and when she says that i taste the solo part of han solo and kind of acknowledging like the harsh truth of that that i have been kind of solo without her and I smile kind of amused as I watched her kind of admiring her spirit and her fire. And I say, I love your sense of humor. It's it's not often you meet another human with such great sense of humor. And <laughs> and like she had no humor in her tone at all. And I said it in that kind of Han way of like being kind of gruff and but charming and was hoping that the charm would work on her and soften her. And it did, it did actually work, and she looks up at me. finally, she looks up at me. and we have this like amazing moment of like truly seeing each other. and it feels like that first defining moment of a love story.
0: Yeah, and in the story, she doesn't really like Han, but she has this strange... <laughs> you know, He continues just being who he is, you know, and he's not going to change for her just because she's a princess. You know, And in fact, he likes to sort of deride or, or kind of yank or chain, you know, oh, princess, I'm so sorry that we couldn't yeah. find better accommodations for you. Gee, let me rescue you from your prison cell, you know, <laughs> and your your chariot awaits, you know. Uh, so she's, uh, what do you make of the landscape? You know, there's the evolution of the Death Star it started off as being this, uh, you know, fully functional place where you meet darth vader and then years you know sometime later years later you're dreaming about the death star but now it's all run down um what do you what do you make of that as a metaphor for a space inside of you
1: well i think it's so interesting that you do have the tour of the perfectly assembled death star and then two months later you have a completely different image of it of it being completely just blown up and shattered and i guess you know really looking at at those two images side by side it's like it is like this this massive death and rebirth almost of like that expression of the father where we saw with the vader dream of everything looking so well put together i don't know i guess i guess in some regards it feels like that the father wound if if we're looking at this as an as an image of the father wound that that whole relationship that whole dynamic was was fully in place it was fully operational and it was still out there wreaking havoc essentially Um, and there wasn't any remorse yet there wasn't that connection to the daughter had not happened yet and in my waking life when i you know recognized that and began doing the work to reconcile that relationship here just two months later, we see the Death Star completely destroyed as if like, if the Death Star would be a symbol of the father wound, that the the killing of the light within one's self uh, being kind of like ground zero of this wound, then I could see the complete destruction of that and. Her being there, it, it to me, it's like such a powerful image of like the new beginning, like out of the ashes of that whole dynamic that had been playing out for so long. And now here she is, she's, she's in that, in that wound space coming back out of it. And she's gauging me to see, are you who you say you are? Because I don't think you are. And are you ready? (laughs) Are you, are you truly ready to, you know, to take care of me and to honor me and to, you know, partner with me? And you've been solo for so long. You haven't, who the hell are you? Like you've never showed up (laughs) and just like, I don't know. And then there's such like a, a hope at the end where I'm able to get her to look at me and the two of us lock eyes and we, we see each other. And I think that's like, It felt redeeming. It felt like there was a chance that I could do this, that I could, and that she might be willing, you know, to bend as well. And so, yeah, to me, it feels like such a powerful, a powerful psychic moment of kind of coming out of the rubble of that wound and starting anew from that place. And I think it's just so so special that there is that initiation of a new relationship out of that wound that there's a new place that we can grow from from there and you know there's reservation on her side obviously which you know continues (laughs) even now today uh, with me continuing to try to to figure out exactly how that place within me needs love and you know, relationships are such a, a dynamic thing, uh, that my relationship with her since then, that's spring of 2019 is still very much playing out now. It's only two years later and I'm, I'm good about it and not good about it. (laughs) You know, I'm still a human being. It's, it's been a, a very interesting process of, of learning her love language and, uh, you know how do you, how do you dance with her? And sometimes I feel like I have no idea how to truly, you know, own up to my responsibility of taking care of her. And at other times, I feel like me and her are like right there with each other. So it's it's such an interesting, interesting experience.
0: Well, and I think there's a hint of that in when she shows you your reflection, and you're a droid. Mm. and a droid is one who follows patterns and so it's like saying that if you're in your old patterns then this is who you are but if you're if you're in your new patterns then you're the you're a partner and we can dance um so um I'm, i'm seeing that reflected also in the dream content
1: yeah absolutely man yeah thank you for pointing that out that's That's huge. Cause yeah, that, that feels, that feels right on for me. That gave me chills all through my body. (laughs) (laughs) Just that picture,
0: you know, I mean, dreams are so, they can say so much with one image and the image is packed full of information. So as a symbol, it says so much, it's a picture that says a thousand words or more. And in that picture of you, she showing you your reflection in the mirror and you're a droid that (laughs) is I mean, it says so much. It's a beautiful metaphor. Mm -hmm. And you've also brought up something else in the discussion is is that this relationship is one that is going to continue to challenge you, that you don't just reach a point where you can sort of sit back on your laurels, you know, where everything is on autopilot. And in fact, when you do go on autopilot, you fall back into your pattern behaviors, which then takes you away from her. So there is a continual and daily challenge to rise to the occasion, to show up for yourself and for her and to meet the challenges as they arise. Uh, uh, Otherwise you lose contact with her. And what does she represent to you, Steve?
1: Well, the way that the anima and especially when she postures as the lover uh, to me the way that she has showed up in many dreams that has, has made it pretty poignantly clear that uh, that lover energy is so deeply tied to my kind of creative fire or like yeah it's essentially that feeling inside of me that has never let the music dream die that wants so deeply for me to realize my true potential with it in this life and and that's kind of why in the coco dream that's why she appears like that and and many many other dreams it's very clear that the lyricist within me the songwriter and, uh, they're they're almost like combined it in an image it's been it's been so wild and so hard i mean you think that your greatest calling would be something that is easy for you to want to step into but it's been so hard for me to like Give myself over to her completely, and to just trust, and to you know brave the kind of vulnerability that it takes to be a musician. And you know, because if you're going to really connect with people, you have to be completely vulnerable, and you have to you know say the truest things that you could ever say for it to really connect with anybody. And to have to get up on stage and to give it your all. (laughs) I mean, there's. There's so many different ways that, being a musician, you have to step so fully out of your comfort zone. And it's something that is that I want so badly to do, but at the same time, I fear it so immensely. And so it's been this amazing, incredibly hard like journey to truly step fully into, you know, my true beauty and I, I, it's reflected in so many dreams and most of which you've, you've heard here tonight already
0: well let's widen the field of view here for our listeners when you're talking about her for you personally she's creativity and self expression And for you, it manifests specifically through your music, through writing the songs, creating the melodies and all the aspects of the music, delivering it, following through with all the work that it takes to record and mix and write and do all that stuff. But what we're really talking about, if I could say it this way, is speaking your truth Mm. and you have to stand up and, you know, lay it all out on the line. For you to stand up and speak your truth, and when you do that, you are doing what she wants you to do, and it deepens your relationship because now you have earned her respect. I mean, she is not an easy woman to woo, and any man who has gone, you know, into his Anima relationship will tell you if he's trying to do it in a generative sort of way where he shows up for her and he wants to be the man that he can be i would say the man she wants him to be but what she wants him to be is a true man for himself and what that means is is showing up for himself and speaking his truth yeah and then it can get into a wider idea of expressing who and what you really are which then ties in with the idea of Carl jung's individuation He says that this is what we are meant to, this is a process that is built into everyone, but some people go about it more consciously than others of unfolding into becoming and expressing everything that you are. And so when you do that and you do it in a conscious sort of way, you are one quickening the process. And two is you are earning her respect because now she can open up and deliver more to you of what she is, which is really what you are. Right. She's what you are is projected onto her. And I think this is a beautiful way that the psyche, over thousands of generations of our species, has created a story within everyone that leads them to discovering who they really are by giving them something. That they want to love more than anything else. That when you have touch with the anima, you or and for ladies, you it's called animus for you. Um, it's just the other side of who you are. It's the unconscious underside, the counterpart to your conscious personality. Is the opposite gender and built into you, and nature has built this thing into us to teach us. How to love ourselves and not just to teach us, but to give us the driving passion and motivation to make it happen, to overcome any obstacle, to get to that place, which I think is fascinating because you're, you're, you're learning to love yourself Yeah. So that's the wider field here. Speaking your truth, it's not just creatively, it's not just creativity, but creativity is expression. Expression is speaking your truth. Speaking your truth is being true to who you are as a person, and being true to who you are as a person makes you a complete and whole person.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, because I mean, even though the majority of the dreams that I've had with her are. Kind of trying to promote me to, you know, lean more fully into my creativity and stuff like that. I, I would have to agree with you. It's it is more of like she's almost like the embodiment of the deepest aspects of me, or like the deepest aspects of my soul. And I think she's been highlighting these areas so heavily because those are the parts of me that I resist giving myself over so fully. And they're the ones that need the most work, and they need the most prodding <laughs> to get me to to really see like beyond a reasonable like you know beyond a sliver of a doubt that god, if you could only figure this out steve if you could if you could somehow find a way to like you know give yourself so completely to yourself, you know you would. these worth issues and everything would go away because you would know your worth because you would you would be in complete relationship with yourself and kind of what i was hinting at earlier like as you develop your manhood and your dreams are helping you guide you through this process of becoming a man or however you want to look at that uh coming into relationship with her is so intense because I mean even with just these couple of dreams that I shared, I mean, you can see the kind of work that a man needs to do. And especially with my initial meeting with her in the ruins of the Death Star. Like like Jason said, like she's not an easy lover. She's not just gonna be, oh yeah you're here finally, and just jump in my arms and you know everything's all good and gravy after that like no there's a lot of work to be done to prove yourself worthy to her and the way that you do that is you become the man that you're meant to be because she'll accept nothing less she really Yeah
0: means. and it breaks the inertia which Jung talks about as being built into us and that the the sort of the dark side and challenging side of life is necessary Because humans have this tendency to become complacent and inert. And we need something that is going to be the foot in our butt to get us moving. Because without it, we may not do the hard work that makes us really discover who and what we are. So we need something that pushes us to our limits and beyond. And and, and it does it in a way that is... um, That is not sort of the harshly patriarchal way, which would be like boot camp, you know? Oh yeah, sure. You can be pushed to your limits and beyond in service to, you know, the dark patriarchy. But instead this is in the service of what's that four letter word against you?
1: (laughs) Soul.
0: Yeah, man. Soul, love, you know? Yeah. I like how you found a different way of expressing the same idea, soul and love, um, And and so this is what you're finding within yourself. But at the same time, you're also developing yourself as a man and doing it in a way that is, you know, toward manhood and developing your masculinity. So as you develop as a man, you are also developing your feminine aspects. Both are developing an equal relationship to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But really, what we're talking about are patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior that shape who we are as people. And this is the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. (laughs) So, this does all tie together in the theme of what we are trying to do and show how dreams shape us. Your dreams have given you these stories for you to work within the framework for you to understand yourself better, to heal your wounds. To get past issues that were holding you back, and then to beautifully reflect the progress that you'd made, and Steve, to give you the reward, which is the most satisfying relationship. I mean, you've got Princess Leia, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know, I mean, there, she's uh, yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good catch there. Um, But also, as you've gone through this process, it has made you a better husband for your wife, or we'll call her your wife. I don't know if you two are actually married, but you have a baby together and you live together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's made you a better father. It has definitely opened up your creativity. um, And can you, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to the list, but I just wanted to throw this in there to show What these, you have just shared three dreams with us over a span of time that has shown your evolution in through the relationship that you have with these sides of yourself that are taking form as dream characters. And they're all you and the relationship that you have with them is your relationship with yourself. And the evolution of that relationship in your dream world is at least, or at least reflects the evolution of your relationship with yourself
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: wow man.
1: it's very wild it's been such a journey dude
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and that's just yeah. and i mean and that's just three dreams i mean and that's over 10 years and then there's so many other dreams and so many other different like paths that different aspects of myself have, have sought the same kind of resolution and Uh, it's just a wild, wild ride, man. When you really dive into this kind of work and you allow the images to speak to you and to try to relate to them and try to, you know, follow, you know, overall dream life and to follow the patterns and to see how your dreams, you know, help you to get to that point of resolution because it's, it's, it's such a wild and beautiful mythic ride that like really, you know, deepens your whole experience of who you are as a human being and gives you these amazing stories like the whole notion of, of Vader and Leia. I mean, I'm such a Star Wars nerd and to have part of my internal mythic story locked in with that movie and like a narrative. It's not even like a real narrative with the movie, but it's it deepens my connection to that whole universe of you know the whole saga of star wars and i mean that just makes me giddy with excitement that that story could be part of my story now in my own way and it's it's just like so cool to be able you know to have this kind of stuff available to you every night and i mean for me personally You know, you could talk about stuff that you're overcoming, but if you have, I mean, dreams are so powerful and they're so vivid and they're so, you know, visual and so haunting and so deeply layered. I mean, you can just peel all of these dreams right down to the bone and there's so much richness there than me just saying, yeah, my dad said I had a one in a million chance and, you know, 10 years later, I I kind of finally got over it. (laughs) you know what i mean like
0: (laughs) yeah where's the drama and excitement there you know if if this is a dinner story everyone's asleep you know know, they're they're chugging down their wine because boy this is getting boring man we got
1: nail guns and people shooting out eyes and we got death stars (laughs) and we got super intense father longings for their daughters and uh just the beginnings of love stories. And it's just like, Oh my God, there's just so much like beauty and richness and like excitement and
0: drama. High and, drama. Yeah. Yes. And a narrative framework for you to better understand yourself in your life. Yeah. And I will add real quick. Um, I know this about George Lucas. Um, he was uh, a fan of Joseph Campbell, who is the famous mythologist who learned a lot from Carl Jung about how to relate psychology to the development of the psyche and found in those mythological stories were actually allegories for our own inner lives and development. So our natural uh, tendency of the psyche is to tell us stories that are mythological because they want us to expand our scope of how we understand ourselves and our lives. It's not just, you know, going from A to B to C, you know, it's not just this, oh, ho-hum story. It is a drama. It is your life. It is your narrative. You are creating the story that is you. And it wants you to view it in these mythological terms. And then George Lucas gave us the story in Star Wars Based on his understanding of myth and Campbell and Jung, and he he actually wove a, a modern myth for our time. He took what used to be the stories of like Camelot and, you know, the ancient mythological tales. He took it and he modernized it. He basically took Camelot and put it in space, you know, um, and. <laughs> But it gave us a modern framework for understanding ourselves, and it's very forward-looking in a way. Your dreams, as they were coming to you, were reflecting developments that were happening in your psyche that were largely outside of your awareness. You know, like when you had that final dream with Leia, you may not have realized that you had arrived at this place in your life where a lot of these, you know, the wound was healing. These issues were coming to rest. You were being presented with a new set of challenges. But you the dream is forward-looking because it's almost like laying out before you what your next challenge is and pointing yeah. you to where your direction is going. And I think this is very important as we learn to interpret and analyze dreams. I actually like using the word explore more than interpret and analyze these days because we're exploring our dreams and what they're offering us but that they're often looking forward instead of backward. A lot of dream interpretation in the classic Freudian psychoanalytic sense looks back at what's happened in your life. And oftentimes you can find source material there. But when the dream puts it together into a story, there is going to be something about it that is forward-looking because it's telling you what is developing down in your psyche and coming up within you into becoming a conscious part of yourself, or at least presenting itself to you because it has the potential to become conscious. And this is where Carl Jung's psychology took what Freud started and then added to it to say, the dreams are more than just replaying our memories. They're more than just processing our emotions. They're more than just Reflections of what have happened in our lives, even more than what is happening presently in our lives. It is reflecting and showing us what is coming up in our lives. Mm. And in that sense, talk about something that can shape you. yeah Because if you have that clue from your dreams, I often don't, like you with those dreams, I often don't really understand mine when I wake up and I journal with them and I sit back and I go, huh. Well, I've been interpreting dreams for almost 30 years now. I've written three books. I've got two more coming on the subject. And I have no freaking idea what this (laughs) dream means. You know, like that 2009 dream. I mean, how many years did it take before you really understood it? But it was because you had, as time progressed and you evolved and went down the path of living your life and evolving as a person, you were able to then look back at that dream and go, oh, oh yeah, I get it now. It's kind of obvious. But from the viewpoint of being fresh right after you've had the dream, you often don't know what it means. But if you know that it's something that is forward-looking in your life, then you can use that to help you to take those day-to-day steps in your life because you know that there's this place that you're wanting to get to And in a way, the map has already been made deep down in the unconscious mind where your dreams are being created. It's already, it already knows what the destination is. And then day by day, it's going to help you to take those steps. So this is why I tell people that journaling their dreams is the most important first step to doing this work, not just for understanding their dreams, but for understanding where they're going in their lives and that they don't have to understand it all at the time. Just put in the work and the time to journal the dreams and do some reflection on them because you can get these little hints and clues and then things happen in the future and you go, Oh, Oh, that's what that dream meant. Okay, cool. But if you have a sense of it, just engaging with the dream content helps to deepen your connection with it and the part of yourself that creates it so that you'll kind of get these intuitions and hunches about things that kind of seem to come out of nowhere but really like you've already laid the found the you know, the foundation for getting to it because you've paid attention to your dreams and you now have a closer connection with them so that this information can flow to you consciously in a in a less hindered and more free sort of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean like looking at the Han and Leia dream, like I knew it was powerful and I knew it connected to the the previous Death Star dream. But I didn't really fully understand exactly the true gravity of what that dream meant. And like you said, with the forward-looking aspect of it, I wouldn't have known how big of a deal my relationship, starting with her on that day, really was going to be for me going forward. And like looking back two years now at what has happened since that dream, it's crystal clear because that's absolutely what has happened and it's the path that I've been on has been and I while he was talking I had this huge ping that my relationship with her moving forward from that dream is the medicine that is going to heal the father wound within me like that is that's like the transcendent gift of the dream that if if I can cultivate this relationship with her going forward and I can truly see her and I can truly honor her, that that is the medicine, that that is is the relationship that is going to heal this wound because it's going to be me finally honoring and knowing my own worth. Um, And that's so intensely and incredibly beautiful. yeah i think to to round out the conversation here uh i'll just give you guys what i believe is like kind of the full resolution of this father wound issue for me and it's such like a really beautiful story and so the han and leia dream we left off was may of 2019 and you know, things were pretty good for the most part, but there's still a lot of work to do there. You know, the Death Star is completely demolished. So there you know, that the destruction of, of that wound and that whole dynamic, you know, leaves a good deal of healing yet to be done. And so then come, you know, about six months later, my folks came out to visit me for Christmas and we had a really great time. And I played a few songs on the piano for my father, and uh, he he was kind of distant, not really paying too much attention. And um, at the end of one of the songs I played, which was just a completely improvised piece of music, and it was, I mean, arguably, in my own opinion, quite nice and beautiful. And instead of saying, oh, that was great, that was really cool. Uh, you just know how to think those things up on your own, huh? Uh, he he said something like, and I'm sure to his credit, again, wasn't anything he meant any offense by. Uh, but he said something like, you ever uh, learn how to play anybody else's music?
0: <laughs> Whoa, I can see how that could be misunderstood.
1: yeah and i i took it in stride in the moment but after they had left like a week later it was still like kind of churning inside of me and i'm just kind of like god it, it just i mean it just rubbed that wound so perfectly for me i'm just like kind of like you know this to me like my music is one of the most important things that i cherish about myself and that makes me special and uh to not really feel seen in that way. Like we've talked about before where I want his validation so bad. And for whatever reason, I can't deliver myself the same kind of validation that I feel like he would deliver me if he ever did. And uh, so, yeah, it kind of was just like worming into me so hard. And I had a dream right on like the first week of January. I had two dreams in that one night and one dream I'm walking through a neighborhood and I stop at this one house and there's some pull that I feel like I need to go inside of that house, but it's completely decrepit, looks kind of messy, and I have no care at all in the entire world to even care to step foot in there because it, it feels <laughs> so, so terrifying. And so there's just something about it that's spooky. And, but I, I feel like I need to go in there, but I don't want to. And so that, that was one dream. And then, uh, a up dream that I had that same morning, it's like a snowy country landscape. And I find myself in front of this house that I knew I had to go into also. And it kind of had the same, similar kind of vibe to it. And this time I actually go in and when I go inside, there isn't much of anything in there except for this older man who I understood to be a father. And immediately upon seeing him, All I wanted to do was to fight him and to take him down. And it just, like, I don't know. (laughs) It was one of those dreams where you're, like, you're pounding into the dream character. And it's just, like, doing nothing. You, like, have, like, these flimsy little wrists. And all of your best, you know, tries are just completely worthless. And he kind of just stands back at me. And he looks at me with this look that says, you know, you little shit. You know, you know, get it over with or, you know, get over it. <laughs> oh. It was basically, you know, the first house that I didn't want to go into, you know, it was because there was still this issue with this father wound that I didn't want to have to enter into. It, I didn't want to have to face it. And then you see the second dream is like, I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to, to fess up to it or like even own it. So I'm just trying to beat the hell out of this wound and I'm just like it's not my father in it because it's not it's not about him it's about this issue that I have with this wound um, that's how I look at it and yeah. um so yeah it just like became so highlighted for me and I had a really hard day that day and I had, I had brought up this whole issue to Erica and she's heard this I mean this has been an ongoing issue that I've tried to work through and finally i mean she she like really snapped at me that day and i just couldn't believe how hard she was coming down at me and she just basically said when the hell are you just gonna finally get over this and you do all this work and you spend all this time and you don't seem to get very far and you know what the hell man like when the hell are you actually gonna get over this and i like just broke apart i was (laughs) I was such in such like a tender place and she just leaned into me so hard and I'm I'm glad for it because it really really made me like like really look at it. And essentially what I realized is that um the last six months or so since the other dreams, you know, I had realized that, you know, that father wound was was a big issue as far as me being able to see my own worth and i was still struggling that whole time period up to this point of like why is it still affecting me so much like after they left christmas that week and it was still like right there so present and i'm like why can i not get over this like and uh basically what i realized is that you know i i put my father on this pedestal like above me where his opinion and how I perceive he feels about me, because my perception of how he feels about me is way wrong um, because of that wound. And so he has power over me still. And it's not so much... It's like perceived power. And so I still care more about what his opinion is of me than I care about my own opinion of me. And I, I had always known that he had this weird, like that his opinion mattered way more to me, and I could never understand, like, why I couldn't get around that, why I couldn't ever dismantle that. And, um, like I said, it's not even his opinion. It's, like, it's my perceived, uh, like, internalized uh, feelings about how he feels about me, which are skewed, because they're not true. I mean, it's just how... I internalized it and if I were to ever have an honest conversation with him about it he probably would have been like you've seriously been dealing with this for this long uh, I'm sorry like if you had maybe said something I could have cleared that up for you a long time ago but I <laughs> right I mean yeah it's ridiculous that I spent so much of my adult life fighting this. but that's and- the victim yeah
0: the, vi- the victim holds on to the things the wounds that they perceive and you know it was a real wound for you but you did hold on to it for a while and you made it your own so now you're not dealing so much with your father anymore you're dealing with the internalized image of him which then shows in the dream as this father character who is not really your father Um, and he delivers a message you know you're beating on him and then what does he say to you we just get this over with
1: yeah. <laughs> and then what, let's is your get this over stadium? with or, or figure your shit out essentially yeah.
0: so, which is then what erica said yeah, to you,
1: exactly and that's why i pressed it even harder and it just like wow oh my god dude it just worked me so good and it and when i finally realized that dynamic that i had given him more power than i i have over my own feelings about myself and i and i saw it more as a power dynamic um I was able to kind of dethrone him and uh you know reclaim way more of my own sovereignty over myself and it was such a shift like it it felt like going from a slouch position to like standing straight up it was like so crazy like how that shift really allowed me to show up in my life and even in my relationship with erica in a greater capacity where you know, that wound was so suffocating and it and it unconsciously like you know kept me out of my power. It kept me kind of disjointed and um and so to to have removed that part of it was just like such a huge piece to me like truly stepping into my own ability to father myself, to step more fully into the king power coming more fully online and to be able to you know be that man for the anima and it's just it was like such a huge like crazy experience and the coolest thing is that two days later i had another star wars themed dream where i was like in a prison yard on a imperial like ship of some sort and it was understood that the rebels were about to come in and they were going to hijack the computer system on this ship, and it was going to play, point all their blasters at the ship, and was going to completely destroy it. And so it was like, in my eyes, looking at that and seeing this whole progression we're talking about here, it was like this was this was me destroying that hold that this wound still had on me, that this battle cruiser that still was wreaking havoc in my inner star Wars universe. Um, and then I was prisoner too. like, I'm prisoner to, I'm still prisoner to this wound that, you know, it's not a death star now, but it's still this little cruiser. That's, that's, you know, still going about the same old ways that that old wound was, or the death star wound was, you know, perusing about my inner galaxy. And, so it is a it is a step down from what it was, but it's still, you know, wreaking havoc and I'm still prisoner to it. So that was like uh you know, such a, a great dream to have that was like, yes, the rebellion is on. Like we're we're breaking this old this old bond and this old prisoner that has kept me in bondage for so long. And that was just like such a powerful image.
0: And once again, Going back to the Android theme, the it's the computer systems that are being used
1: oh to destroy the ship.
0: Yeah, it's, so it's going back to programming. Yes. And you're destroying, in the script, the program. Yeah. destroying the program, which is rewriting the script of you that had made you feel like a victim and had uh, disempowered you. You are now changing the program by destroying the old one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. And then, so then the final part of the story is that six months later, uh, I had gone down there with Luca and Erica and we'd spent 4th of July weekend with them. And I just, I felt like now that I felt on top of this issue more, I wanted to, you know, have a really meaningful weekend with my father. And so the two of us like branched off and we did things by ourselves a couple of times and, i had had this really kind of special experience happen a couple months before I went down there where I was at work and I jumped in the Bobcat at work and it was on a classic rock station, which he used to listen to all the time when I was a kid and um, whatever the first song was that was playing, it kind of hooked me in. I was like, well, maybe I'll just listen to this all day and I can feel like I'm hanging out with dad. And So I listened to it all day and I just was so blown away with how music just triggers memory and memories that I had never, haven't crossed my mind in so long, like certain lines of lyrics and certain songs in general, like would just trigger these crazy memories of me driving around with him as a kid. And by the end of the day, I was just aghast that it was like, music was chiefly like the only way that I really saw fully into my father any in an emotional way. And, um, like he, he's a very kind and very open hearted man. Um, but he's kind of quiet about (laughs) his inner world and like most, like most men his age. And, uh, Music was like the way as a young kid that I had like a very vivid look of like my father and like based on how intense he would say certain lines or like if it was a really deep and introspective song, he would just like trail off in the car and you would know that whatever that song was triggering for him was like taking him somewhere. And there was just so many different ways that I, I, as a kid was able to see how music like deeply affected him and I know when I became a music it became clear that day that watching him and the way that music touched him and moved him and revealed this this vaulted man to me so poignantly uh, that day I realized was a big reason that I create the depth of music that I do because I want the music that I create to touch someone like that and to reveal themselves to themselves through it. And so when I went down there, I, we took a walk and walked the dogs and I relayed that epiphany that I had to him. And it just, <laughs> it just rocked both of us right in the chest. And I mean, there wasn't much said about it. I mean, he, he looked at me like, wow, uh, thank you. And there was such a sincerity and it felt like if he even said one more word that he would have just totally broken down and that like touched me in a way that i wasn't expecting like i wasn't expecting him to be as touched by that as, as he was and uh you could tell just with that simple thing that that like changed so much about us because i feel like uh Pro- I mean, I haven't confirmed this with him, but I, I feel like maybe he hasn't really understood uh, my aspirations and yearnings to be a musician because he doesn't know how to relate to it. And I feel like in that moment, that's how we were able to relate to each other. And <laughs> I mean, what a beautiful way to to bridge that bond. I mean, it's, it's so... It's so beautiful. I just, (laughs) it it means so much to me. And uh, so we had that moment. And then at the end of the weekend, I have a song that I recorded for this album that I'm almost done with that uh, is essentially a song written to him and my mother from the point of view of me becoming a father and understanding what it means to be a parent. And it's kind of like a reconciliatory song to both of them of uh, pretty much telling them like, wow, you guys, I can't believe the the job you did. And I can't believe, you know, how intense parenthood is. And I can't (laughs) believe how oblivious to the struggles and the beauty that you guys like holding your heart being parents and like the the opening lines to the song says, first time I really understood my father was the first time I held my son because it wasn't until he came around that my life really begun. And <laughs> it's just, so I, I played that song for him that weekend and well, I guess backing up just a few paces, I played him a bunch of other songs that I've written <laughs> and recorded up to that point. And uh, I mean, I mostly it's hip hop, right? So it, that's another reason why my father probably doesn't really understand it because <laughs> he's not a hip hop fan. I mean, he's, he's not going to be able to relate to the music the way that um, I would hope for, you know, because it's just music that he doesn't understand. And the fact that my music is becoming a fusion of hip-hop and singer-songwriter music, I feel like he was able to really understand it deeper this time around. And we went on another walk together, and first thing right off the bat, when we got outside together, he just squared right up with me, and he said, "Uh, I'm just really blown away with, you know, how far your music has come.
0: (laughs) wow
1: and wow. oh my god and he's like in your your voice like your singing voice is just so i like i can't even believe like how much work you've done on that and it was just so validating and like that was it like we went back to just talking about other things because i like needed time to process that and i was like oh my god it, i finally it's the moment i've been waiting for my whole life and uh it was just like so huge. And so the next day I, I, I had played them the song for the two of them and that's like probably one of only three or four times I've seen that man cry. <laughs> and we just, the, the three of us had just like the most beautiful and like healing moment together. And that was, that was a really, really quite something. And on the drive home from they live down in Texas, they're about to move there or move away from there, but they that's where they've been the last couple of years and we were driving home and i we saw a rainbow on our way home, and it just like felt like such a beautiful sign of you know some serious healing <laughs> that happened for me and my family. The
0: circle completes,
1: yeah, man.
0: You have a you have a synchronistic confirmation of it with what the world shows you of a process that's reflecting what happened to you internally, where you started with this wound that your father gave to you by not validating your desire when you expressed it to, you know, to be a musician and a singer and a songwriter. It gives you this wound that then drives you deep into yourself That then becomes an inspiration and source for the music that you write. And the music then becomes the thing that completes the circle and heals the wound when you play it for your father. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. (sighs) Boy, you couldn't, Hollywood couldn't write a better ending. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah. And I mean, me and his relationship since then, I mean, it's like we see, we both see each other like so much more fully. And it's just, I'm so happy for it. It's, it's like better than I could even hope for. So yeah, it's, it's been such a crazy, crazy ride, man.
0: Well, you've uh, given us um, a series of dreams that show a complete story that takes a major chapter of your life and beginning, middle and end. You have a complete story there. And this narrative is it, it, it expresses so much of who you are, where you've been, what you've been through and how it all comes together in you now and um, I, I think it's the, the power of dreams to shape us brother you you've given us the you know uh, a great example of that from your own life and shown a lot of um, willingness to be vulnerable at the same time by sharing this with you know with me and with our listeners um, this uh, gets back into what Anima takes us to as men is to be, you know, to show our feelings, to yeah. be, allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be sensitive. Um, so you see the the parallel of you developing on one side in your masculinity and, and a parallel process. There's also the Anama and her femininity that's also you and developing in you.
1: Yeah, man. Uh,
0: I think that's awesome, man.
1: Thank you. I Appreciate all that. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been. And I don't know, man. I this conversation has been revealing, and just realizing, just and almost like really recognizing that whole, the whole process coming to fruition. Like I, I've known it, and you know, in some regards, but to really like look at it and to talk about it the complete picture here tonight, it just really like sinks at home. Like just how beautiful of a story and like just the amazing amount of, of dreams and life situations and stuff that had to arise to, to get me here. And, you know, I know these dreams in the back of my head, but to lay them all out sequentially like this and to like really see the pivotal dreams that really helped steer this whole process to where it needed to go is just it's so incredibly beautiful and so powerful and i hope that other people listening to this are like oh my god like you really can find resolution like that <laughs> with, with issues like through dreams and through just life in general because i know a lot of people that think you know healing doesn't happen like it just so yeah, man, it's just, if you're willing to go there and you're willing to just keep working at it, I mean, that wound was just, just terrorizing me. And I just, I didn't know how to deal with it most days, but I, I wanted to heal it. And so that willingness to go there and to keep throwing myself against it and, you know, it wasn't a, a, a fast thing at all. I mean, we're talking over a decade, 15 years of of dream work to get there and so it is it it's not a it's not like a dream work is definitely not a quick fix thing but it definitely it shows you the path and it it will lead you there and you know a lot of that 15 years wasn't completely me doing this consciously so if you're if you're already in the throes of doing this kind of work and you use your dreams to help you find your way. Then, obviously, you know this doesn't have to take so long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, it took the time that was needed for you. Yeah, there was more that needed to happen for uh, for you um, to to make this all these pieces come together, and they will come together in their own time. But Jung says that we, w- w- when we consciously engage with our dreams. Then we speed up the process of individuation, the process of healing, the process of integration, and that that it's going to happen in its own time, in its own way. But you can you can make things happen faster and more complete and better through this conscious engaging with the dreams, and you can also see. Even if you don't understand all the symbolism and you don't know dream interpretation and analysis and all the different ways you can go about it, you can simply engage with these stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the lessons and the morals and the things that you are being shown about yourself and your life are right there in the dream content. You just have to be able to step back from it. You know, what is the Death Star? Well, it's a place inside of me that's killing me. Okay, that's a simple idea, you know. What is Darth Vader? You know, well, he's that, you know, tragic part of me that also has all of this tremendous energy and potential in it. And if I can work within that narrative framework and understand myself through the narrative framework, and everybody can do that because we understand stories, you know, inherently we understand stories. And so the dream is presenting a narrative to you and presenting a story to you. You engage with it. And then that's what brings about the the magic out of that. It, you don't have to necessarily analyze anything. You just need to engage with the story and see the ways that it parallels yourself, especially your feelings and what's going on in your inner world.
1: Well, thank you, Jason, for having this conversation with me at I- I'm just really kind of blown away with kind of like what I just said earlier, just of laying this all out and and seeing it so much more crystal clearly by having to actually try to explain it. And so thank you. I really appreciate you helping me to, to once again, like really give me, I I mean, every time we talk about dreams, it's amazing because we're, we're, pretty damn similar when it comes to most things and then but i mean you have your own expertise on certain things and the way you look at things is obviously you know different than i do and you always like bring up just the perfect thing that like connects that extra dot that i hadn't done yet so always appreciate you brother
0: i'm honored man honored um we have a a synergy that has um um, been healing and expansive for both of us as we get a chance to talk about our dreams and talk with other people about, with them about their dreams. And um, it works really well. So you are my partner and my brother in the dream.
1: As we, yes, as sir. Like to say.
0: Yeah, man. And I hope that this example, that, that your sharing of your, of your dream life will inspire our listeners to journal their dreams and to look for the patterns that emerge from them to look for the narrative arcs that you're not just looking at one dream. You're looking at dreams that relate to each other and how that story evolves. And when you think of them as one dream and analyze it as one big story, then the big picture emerges from it. And that's when you can really have those aha moments when you go, okay, now I get it. I understand. So this will show Once again, how dreams can shape us and the incredible benefits that you can get from engaging with your dream life.
1: Yeah, man. In part two, we get to dive into a few of uh, Jason's dreams and pick them apart. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you.
0: Yeah, the dream I had about being the caretaker or guardian for a Japanese prince even gave him a name. And that was, that was a really potent dream. And I'm, I'm looking forward to delving into that with you. I think there may be things that you'll be able to see in that dream that, um, will help me to understand it better or, or to view it through your eyes. And, um, so looking forward to delving into that. So thank you for uh, taking the dive first, man. Um, (laughs) for, (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, um, so yeah, ma'am. Next episode, we'll dive in the mine and um, we'll continue the um, uh, what we can gain from understanding our dreams and seeing how they shape us.
1: Awesome. Yes.
0: Cue outro music. Yeah. Up,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow, ma'am.
1: Well, that concludes this episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for supporting us, and for being a part of our journey. Thank you so much. And instead of going through the familiar routine of our closing credits, I wanted to play for you the song that I played for my father and my mother. It's a beautiful song, and I think it would be the most perfect way end this story so to introduce the song it was inspired by a dream so I'll share the dream real quick I have only a patchy memory and I did not actually write it down I only wrote down the title of the song that was given to me in the dream because I guess I thought I would just remember this one and I must not have had time to write it down in full but what I believe is how it started was that I was in a doctor's office having an exchange with a doctor and that scene eventually transitions into me being in a hallway of some sort and a dream character walks past me and he sings the words I've got so much love for you and it was so simple and so short But the feeling that swelled in his words when he said that just felt so wholesome and so kind of redeeming and just beautiful. It was just really beautiful. And when I went to work on a song entitled I Got So Much Love For You, this is what just fell right out of me.
2: first time I really understood my father was the first time I held my son Cause it wasn't until he came around that my life really begun And I know that's exactly how my past felt A moment so holy just gotta make the heart melt But suddenly I realized, yo, there's this whole depth to his love I've never known For a man, love so grand can be hard to show and until you hold your own son in your hands You could never understand how far it could go But if I would've knew what I know now Maybe we would've had less showdowns Maybe I would've slowed down and showed how grateful I am For how you'd always go out of your way Just to put a smile on a face or food on the plate And I am amazed at all of the sacrifices that you made Just so our dreams could be chased So I can say this enough for you, I got so much love For you, I got so much love For you, I got so much love And I'm sorry for my part And what distance exists between you and I But father to father I'm so glad that you were mine i
3: I've got so much love for you I'm so thankful for all that you do and I've got so much love for you I do and I'm so thankful for all that you do
2: Hi mama First time I really understood my mother in the internal war that wages Has been watching my own lover as a mother and all the battles she faces How women do what I will never know Giving birth to a soul that the body just knows how to grow then having to separate from it and let it become its own That tug of war between wanting to pull them close and having to learn to let them go It's gotta be the hardest task that this life could ask Cause I feel that but a mother's bond's deeper than a dad's So I can see how your whole sense of work Get so tangled up in the kids that you birthed That eventually and suddenly it can begin to feel kinda like a gift and a curse cause Such high expectations And such little praise for the attempts that you're making So if it's never been known Your heart has always felt like home And I mean that And I hope you can receive that Cause I know I added scars to your worth And had a tendency to make it harder and worse So I'm sorry for everywhere within your heart that it hurts that is my fault Cause I love you You gave me life now I can clearly see your sacrifice. And in my heart, I love you. It sounds like Cause I've got so much love for you.
3: I love you, Mom. I love you. And I'm so thankful for all that you do. I've got so much love for you, and I'm so thankful for all that you do.